0: Welcome to the Wellbeing for Musicians podcast, a space for you to find support and performance well-being resources, helping you on your journey to becoming a happier, healthier musician. I'm your host, Veronika Kvirova. Good afternoon. Welcome to today's interview. So, in a moment, I'll be joined by Angela McKuston, who is a musician's fitness specialist. She's a flute and piccolo player, just like myself. She's a member of the US Army Band in Huntsville. And she's also a music fitness specialist and owner of Music Strong. Okay. So I'm just bringing Angela on. Welcome. It's <laughs> the first time I tried it this way. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Cool. So can you tell us where you are in the world? Sure. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, in the state. Cool. So you're, I've just said you're a food and piccolo player, just like myself. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your music journey? I'm sure you're kind of sick of like telling the story now. Like, yeah, i told
1: quite me. a lot. That's perfectly okay. So uh, yeah, I started playing back when I was, I think, 12. And the what set me on the path to uh, music strong, what that I'm on today, basically is that I got my first playing related injury at 16. <laughs> So I was playing maybe, I don't know, I was that band kid that just, I was in love with the flute. Even before I ever played a sound, I would just like stare at it and like beg my mom to teach me to play. And she said, no, you got to wait until band. So I, when I finally did, I was like, I have a flute, I'm ready to play. Ah, you know, I would just, that that, so excited. And uh, then I could play a sound and I was just hooked immediately, I just knew flute is life. So I was playing, I don't know, <laughs> ever since then, like an hour or two a day, because of Fine. I don't know. I wasn't keeping track of it. And I did all these honor bands and things and it was fine. I never felt like I was overusing anything, but then I got into an Interlochen arts camp and I went from playing an hour to a day to eight hours a day for eight weeks with no physical preparation, with no anything. And by before the camp ended, I mean, I was wearing a brace on my wrist and slathering myself in Bengay because it hurts so bad to play and to hold the instruments. And when I got home, like, like a whole day doing this was just agony, agony, it hurts so bad. I couldn't hold or move anything. So I go to see a doctor and it turns out it was pretty severe, tendonitis and he told me to quit playing. And I was like, I have auditions I'm going to quit playing. You know, I'm 16 or whatever. So, you know, that's the first injury. And then I had a series of other injuries and uh, my fourth injury at the moment, I've got some numbness and tingling in these fingers. And that was not just set playing related. It was compounded by that. I had a, a too many car mm. accidents. Being hypermobile, too uh. much mobility joints. And I was cramming for a recital with too much alto flute. So I'm going oh, this way. My neck goes too far anyway. And then, you know, and so everything gets pinched and crunched and nerves get entrapped in multiple places. And so we're still dealing with that. So the reason Music Strong came to be is after my third injury where I was cramming again for an audition. If you learn nothing after today, <laughs> don't cram for an audition on your instrument ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know this, what I mean, we all right? Don't do it. <laughs> there was an audition for the president's own Marine band and it was for Piccolo and I was out of school. It was my dream job and it was on Piccolo, which is my favorite, but I'd realized even though I was a good player, I didn't know any of the orchestral repertoire and I'd never studied it. Even in school, piccolo was this thing that, like, oh yeah, you're a piccolo player, but flute is what you should study. So, I mean, I wasn't prepared. So I had nothing else to do. So I went from no hours a day to three or four hours a day. And after mm-hmm. I had trouble putting, like straightening my arm, I couldn't straighten my arm and there was an imbalance between here and it physically like constant spasm too tight, couldn't breathe, went to see a doctor and yeah. He said, I'll never freak out. He said, right here, he's like, basically what's going on is that you have a muscle imbalance and you've got a knot right here and it's so tight and so overactive. Ordinarily, what I would do is I would give you a cortisone shot right in the middle of that knot, that trigger point. The problem is that trigger point is right over your heart and a cortisone shot would probably kill you. You probably don't want that. <laughs> Break. <laughs> you are correct what is plan B? He goes, you should probably just quit playing. I'm like, you're fired. What's plan C? You know, I'm like so tired of hearing this. I got this cream. I'm like, really? This is the best you got? Give me your cream. fired. <laughs> and so I, I did some research and I found like this is really standard practice for medical professionals who just don't know what to do with musicians to just tell us to win. You don't do that to athletes. You don't. And you were on our podcast the other day. We had that whole discussion about athletes and musicians. Are we the same or not? And you don't tell that to athletes. You also don't blame them. And you don't just tell them to quit. You rehab them. You make them stronger. And after I got my degree in music, I got my personal certification in personal training. And then I got a corrective exercise specialization. What that does, it this light bulb went off in my head about the muscle imbalances and how we as musicians spend all this time in this one, Mm -hmm. like the piccolo injury was not because the piccolo weighed a lot. It's because of the position. And when you're really into it, you tend to tense up. Right. And after so many hours, you create these imbalances aren't bad, but if you only, if you don't train for them, so you don't strengthen what's weak, they're going to get way out of balance. And if you don't continue to also strengthen those muscle imbalances in a good way to increase the endurance so that the imbalances don't go, like I said, too far out of balance you're going to get injured. And so that's what I do. I mean, I've loved fitness and I've always loved teaching. I thought, I wonder if being a personal trainer is like being a private lesson teacher. It is. It's exactly the same. <laughs> Except I'm not teaching the flute. I'm teaching people about their bodies and I'm, you know, giving them confidence and strength and changing lives. It's just so much fun. But I thought, why don't I do this for musicians? Nobody's doing this for musicians and why not?
0: I will. So here we are. (laughs) It's true that there aren't many people doing specifically what you're doing, right? Uh, Because I know when I googled resistance training for musicians, there aren't very many, you know, you get like a link to a book maybe or like a webpage or, you know, but not really very many personal trainers who specialize. I know of one and
1: he started last year. I've been doing this for 11, 12 years.
0: Wow. That, that, that was my other question, right? How long have you been at it?
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah, I keep saying 11 years, but I think I've said 11 years for a while. So I think it might be 12. Yes. <laughs> <My> <laughs> <own paid that> <laughs> <laughs> Over a decade. Over a decade, for sure. Like, I started personal training. I want to say it was back. I got my certification in my first certification back in 2009. So that. Hmm. Yeah. yeah then yeah that would be 12 years oh I'm way off (laughs) yeah I've been doing this for a while but you know it's okay because I didn't start with just musicians I started just training everybody and then when I got the corrective exercise specialization I used that with everybody and when I started to think about musicians like last year during the pandemic I quit teaching altogether I went full-time for the first time so I'm just doing this I mean I play in the army band and I play in a symphony and all that but they're all part-time right so I went full-time with Music Strong last March. Good timing.
0: So <laughs> I, did, I did. Oh, before the pandemic. Did you decide before the pandemic hit? I had to go after. Yeah, well, I had
1: been that previous year beforehand, I had started. I taught so many kids, 20 to 40 kids a week. And so many at like six different schools. I was driving everywhere. And because they wouldn't mm. come to me, I had to go to them. And I just got to the point where I didn't care anymore. I thought, this is not healthy. I don't want to be that teacher who doesn't care. They deserve better than this. But the money was good. And then when the pandemic, I'd already decided I was going to quit. And it was going to be this year or last. It was going to be last year. But that March, when everything shut down and I had to go straight to virtual, eight hours a day online teaching, I thought, no, I quit. I'm done. I will figure this out. I cannot do this. So it was kind of a mix of both. Then I thought, well, okay, now what am I going to do? So I came up with this whole series. I wrote this book and I was going to write a whole series of instrument-specific books. And I thought, why do books? Why not do videos? So I started writing these instrument-specific workouts. So I had all these, we had all this time on our hands. So I just reached out to all the musicians I knew and went, hey, can I interview you? Can I ask you what it's like to play your instrument? What are the things you deal with in your, Whereas, a, one of my friends is a musical theater director. So he plays piano here and he has to conduct way up here. You know, just all these things I had thought of. So I started doing these instrument specific workouts, And then that turned into, I like recorded short versions of all of them. And then that turned into downloadable ones. And then, so I've been doing this for a while, but I had to build on that initial experience of, you know, me before musicians, I didn't start training musicians, even though it was here, I didn't start that way. I
0: mean, I do find that like for my, myself, I learn like quite well with video. I like books, but you know, for learning and watching workshops yeah. and stuff like that, I think it really works. Sometimes, yeah, it's easier for me to dive into that than books. Yeah, it depends. I think it depends on the person.
1: Yeah. But
0: listening to you and, you know, you describe those few injuries, it really Sort of kind of I was thinking about that today and reminded me of that kind of business tape and make your mess your message, right? So you did exactly that. Yes. Physician heal thyself.
1: Well really worked that way. Maybe I can use my experience to heal other people. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's so, so if you if you, so so to sort of back off a little bit and so for somebody who hears about this for the first time, right? Say a musician. How would you define what you do, like strength training or resistance training? What does it mean?
1: So if you would, think, okay, so I think we pretty much all know what personal trainers do, right? I joke and say personal trainers make you do things you don't want to do, but you know you need to. <laughs> it's only It's only partially true. I mean, you've seen that, that meme that goes around that says, describe what you do for a living badly. <laughs> that would probably be it. Yeah, <laughs> That's only partially it. but. What I do basically like in a session with people or whether it's one-on-one or whether I'm writing a program, I kind of lay things out with the corrective stuff first. And then I integrate that into a strength training program. So if you're new to resistance training, it's going to be very different for you as opposed to somebody who's been doing this for a while. And you know what the terminology is and that kind of thing, but it's really, if you go into a gym. And you pick up heavy things and you get stronger. That's what I do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to be simplistic. Right? To be simplistic. Then what I also do is, and you can attest to this, is I take those muscle imbalances that you have. And so we're going to release or relax what's over tight. I'm not going to say just tighten your go? Anything that's overactive and that is causing that imbalance that you naturally have to maybe go overboard, we're going to relax that. But then we're also going to strengthen what's usually on the opposite side, not always, it's not always directly opposite, but strengthen what works synergistically with that. We're going to activate it. A lot of times if it's weak, it's underactive. And that's because for example, on case my pecs here were overactive and they were pulling me forward. So it wasn't, wasn't like rhomboids here that was so tight. It was actually these little breathing muscles down here that got overstretched. That's why they were mad. That's why they hurt. So if I had been training myself now, what I'd be doing is relaxing this, getting this to relax and go back to neutral, more or less, and then straightening back here, all those muscles that work together. You can't always isolate the weak muscles. Sometimes you do, But, you know, in a general strengthening sense, and then I integrate that into a full body movement because your body doesn't play. You don't play your body. Uh, words are hard. You <laughs> play your it. body with, with your instrument. Your, <laughs> you, play your, you play your body. You play your instrument with your entire body. <laughs> we talked about this Saturday too. You don't just play yeah. flute with your fingers. Mm. You play with your shoulders, with your back, with your neck, with your core, mm-hmm. with leaves, with your ankles. That You, you don't just like take part of your body and put it over here to play the flute. Or the trumpet. Or the oboe. It's not how that works, right? But we forget because we're so involved. We just want to make the music. When we hear the sound. We do what we do. We get from the like here down. We tend to forget until it hurts. So, yeah. so that's what I do is I make you stronger overall. And so we'll increase your balance and your proprioception. We'll increase your core strength. We're going to make sure you're like, there's some really fascinating things when it comes to how the body works. Things that you don't really expect, like how certain things relate to each other. Oh, for example, I have a client who she is a lighting tech. She does sound and light for a big mega church. Yeah. It's, it's always hauling gear and light and cables and, you know, stuff like that. But she had a juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. So her fingers are all, they're kind of stuck weird. Um, One day she was like, my thumb hurts. Okay. But I mean, like every day I see her, it's a different something hurt. So I was like, okay. So <laughs> so I'm just like, huh, right. But I thought, okay, I just learned this new course called Neurokinetic Therapy, which has to do with how the body remembers trauma, how the body reacts, mm-hmm. health, like different ways that your body will make it so that you can do what you want to do. Sometimes those imbalances don't serve you anymore. So things start to hurt when they shouldn't. So I actually tested her thumb against her neck extensors and found that these were underactive and this was overactive. So I got this to calm down, turn this on her thumb, quit hurting. But, you know, it, that was a weird one. But a lot of times you get pain right here in the front of the shoulder and these muscles here, your serratus anterior, that, that could be weak. Your rhomboids back here could be weak. This could be tight, not just here and here, but it could also be an inbound between here and here. And maybe you have wrist pain or you know, elbow pain, but that can stem from instability in your shoulder. It all works together. It's really fascinating. So that's what I do is i one one-on-one with each person I train. I'm making sure that they're doing it right and their form's good.
0: And we pick up heavy things and get stronger. I mean, <laughs> it's fun. So just also, again, thinking about a person who... I was see hearing this for the first time, right? Maybe it's not part of their routine at all. Why would they, why do they need to get stronger? Why is it that it may be good for them? It's kind of a loaded question, but <laughs> I, I ask it from my point of view as I love strength training. I know, but I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it in
1: terms of, okay. Like my dad, he's six foot two. He's always been a skinny guy. He has terrible posture. He sits at a computer all day. He's slumping forward. You know, he has no strength. None. Everything hurts now. And he hates the gym. He hates lifting heavy. Like, he just wanted to play tennis and occasionally play golf, ride his motorcycle, and sit in front of the computer. That's it. Okay. He could have avoided a whole lot of the issues he has right now, like, with his ankle and with his back and with et et cetera, et cetera. because. Even if you don't, even if you're not a musician, the body creates muscle imbalances just to make sure you can do whatever it is you want to do in life. doesn't matter what it is. And if you don't, if you lack strength in certain areas, and strength doesn't mean you have to pick up a car. You know, it doesn't mean any of those things. We're just talking about basic strength. Like we, we laugh when we joke about functional fitness, but think of it this way. Have you ever gotten groceries and you're like, one trip, I am not coming in and out of here. I'm taking (laughs) (laughs) We've all done this, right? What if it's just too much and you are too weak and you have to do them? And I mean, it doesn't make you feel good, right? Especially if it's not that many, but we've all been there because things have happened, right? So there's like these functional things of just being able to live your life. And being strong and it doesn't mean you have to be crazy strong but strength training is really actually really important for living your daily life pain-free and being able to do the things you want to do no matter how what you're doing in life or like my like i said my dad like he's got this horrible ankle thing and i just watch him walk i love my dad and is
0: so close to home right even if people, I tell him like You know, oh, you should be doing this. And you know that it would help him so much. He's probably not going to listen to you.
1: (laughs) You know, if he was my client, he would do it. He'd be fine. But he's my dad. We We have a saying here in the States. It's called powdered butt syndrome. (laughs) Anybody who powders your butt as a baby is not going to listen to you when you're older. That is a very good way to put it. True. So, I mean, he'll listen to me somewhat, and I'll tell him, okay, look, <laughs> like his feet turn out like this. He walks up put it, and then they cave in, right? Mm-hmm. What that says to me is that he's got no core strength. So, also, if you have no core strength, you slouch, then you come forward. Then your head is trying to create that imbalance between your head and your pelvis, which has to go down to your ankles, which your guess what's going to hurt next? His knees. Did his knees hurt? Yeah, because his butt doesn't work because he sits on it all the time. So, you know, like it's just this whole chain, and all he has to do. He has to do some things. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything really intense or really long. But <laughs> I've told him before, it's like, "Because well, I need some ab exercises." So like, oh, Dad, you don't need ab exercises. I promise. Who's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not going to get rid of this in a couple ab exercises. But oh, hear me out. Stretch your calves. Stand on one foot. Lift your arch. Just do that every single day. Then we'll add like a thing. And so he would do stuff, but I hope he's not watching this. He would do like a couple things because he doesn't enjoy it. So that's the frustrating thing is you got to find something, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, feel I it right? Yeah. I trained a, a pianist. She likes yoga way more than strength training. So mm-hmm. it is right up your alley, but she is, she, you'd not believe how hypermobile she is. I mean, really like scary almost. There's anyway, yeah, I'm going to go off to the hand here. But what we did is like she would have these horrible shooting pains and back pains. And anytime she wanted to play the piano, she'd just be in a lot of pain. And it was because her body didn't have the strength to hold her in good positions. So, mm-hmm. like I said, your body's just going to compensate. It's going to find a way for you to do what you want to do to get through it. But it doesn't mean it's good. So, all we did was we did some basic things. I gave her some corrective exercises that she can do before she plays. And she's like, if it's okay, I don't want to continue. It's just because resistance training isn't my thing I'd rather do blah 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 but these things me help so much and I know if I don't do them the pain comes back so thank you for those so it was still a win-win it doesn't have to be so much
0: easier. yeah and the, it, it does remind me of my situation that we, we sort of discussed the other day right so I I was doing just yoga for quite a while And, you know, like in terms of, it's not just a physical practice, but in terms of the physical practice that I was doing, it was helping a lot, but there's still, I still had a little bit of back pain, right? So I needed a lot of yoga to alleviate that. And in the end, what I realized is that I did need some resistance training because, uh, you know, as wonderful as yoga is, they're just isn't a lot of pulling sort of motions and it. There just isn't, and it, you know you need that. Yeah, De- definitely for you know if you're a musician and you spend a lot of time sitting, and it really sorted my back pain out when I started doing resistance training. So this is why I'm asking because I know there are people out there that sort of you know that have these preconceptions about it, and that's a shame because it can really help. Yeah, manage pain you know. and get you stronger and pain free.
1: Yes. And can I have a thing that for one sec? I put a video about this the other day. It's kind of a little rant I have where other musicians say, you know, if you're in pain, well, that's just part of it. No, it's not. But <laughs> 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 number two, these musicians will tell other musicians if they're in pain, you know, what we either they'll either tell them, you know, just get through it and then rest when you get home. That doesn't fix the problem, or just you just need to stretch. Well, stretch what? How do you know? You don't know, stop saying this. And here's the reason it it like, gets me frustrated. It's because so many times the sight of pain is not necessarily the source of pain. Where it is, right? right? Yes. So this imbalance I had mm-hmm. in my back hurt so bad, if I had stretched it, I could have torn it. Don't it's tell me so. it just cause it hurts. You don't know. You know what usually happens when you've got a muscle imbalance, a lot of times the thing that's causing the pain doesn't hurt. The thing that hurts is what's either overstretched or it's compromised somehow. If you go and stretch, even if it's here, you're like, oh, I think I should stretch it. It feels tight. Oh my gosh. How many times have we stretched our hamstrings? It's like, oh, my hamstrings are tight.
0: And they're so tight. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but the thing. I've been stretching so- my <laughs> hamstrings for a long time. They're so tight. <laughs> Not me, but you know, I'm just, yeah, I heard that thing. And, and then people sort of integrated as like, my hamstrings are tight. That's like a given, right? That's sort of a state that's unchanging, and that's genetic, or and yeah, it, and that's not necessarily true. Okay, <laughs>
1: it could be. Not
0: necessarily, yeah,
1: yeah. If you don't know, don't just blindly stretch. You can actually cause a problem or make it worse if you don't know. And don't tell anybody else to do it. No, no. If you don't know, don't tell. Right. <laughs> so a lot of times we have what's called a, an anterior pelvic tilt, which is where and it's not everybody, but it's really common. It's where your hips tilt forward. You get a nice little sway back. It's called the lordotic curve in your low back. Everybody's got it. But if it's exaggerated, it means your hip flexors in the front are tight. Guess what? That's going to tilt your pelvis. So your butt is a little higher, which means your hamstrings are stretched. Do they feel tight? Oh, yeah. But now they're tight and weak. You stretch them, they can snap. You know, it's like you need to stretch what doesn't hurt. What's that? Your hip flexors. When you start stretching them, they might go, oh, you know. (laughs) too <laughs> good, so that's my little rant for the day. It's like you can have a muscle that is tight and weak, and stretching it just because it feels tight could make the problem worse. So find somebody to look at you and tell you what actually needs to be stretched before you just do it.
0: <laughs> and you, you did mention your client and being hypermobile, right? I'm definitely on that, you know, spectrum. Me too. And I was, its when you said. Yeah, my client, she loves doing yoga. And I was thinking, yeah, of course she does love doing yoga because that's where she feels like that's what she's good at. But is it really good for her to just lean into flexibility? She needs the balance of resistance training because like you said, you
1: you don't get a lot of pulling with yoga. And also Mm -hmm. if she leans into what she's good at, she could make her problem worse. There's got to be that balance. It doesn't mean you have to quit. Not at all. But there's got to be that balance because... I have so many clients that are hypermobile and you're, so that, that really, and it's a lot of times it's females more than males. Yeah. Statistically
0: Uh, right. I'm going to use
1: myself as an example. About two years ago, this whole numbness thing happened and the chiropractor told me to rest. I could punch you.
0: (laughs) 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 I was thinking, well, why would you?
1: (laughs) Don't tell me, you know, my, as a hypermobile person, your body raves strength. It needs stability because otherwise you're, you know, your legs are loosey goosey, your arms shouldn't go back this far. You know, this is ridiculous. You should be able to do those kinds of things. And if you don't have the stability, like I have a video somewhere on YouTube, right? I'm like, look, I can pop my shoulder out of socket and back. That's not okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, fun party trick. That's no people are like, don't do that. You know, Yeah. if your body is, if you're being told to rest, As someone who has too much range of motion, your strength will leave. If you don't train it, it will leave. And then you're lacking that stability. So my problem actually went on probably a year longer than it should have because I was told to rest. Now rest is not bad. If you have an acute problem or an acute injury, which I did and resting in the beginning was helpful to a degree. Actually, in my case, it probably wasn't helpful at all because I wasn't doing the thing once. Recital was over. I wasn't doing it anymore. So, and it got worse. So, Mm -hmm. what we found, I ended up with nerve entrapment here. It's stemming from instability in the shoulder. I train my shoulders all the time, but if you don't train them in the right way and then you stop for a while, that instability comes back. And so then things get stuck or nerves get entrapped and squished. And hear me out if you are a hypermobile person, (laughs) body is craving that strength because it doesn't have any and it's going to find a way to move but that way it's going to move might not benefit you so so
0: it, just to back off a little bit so how can people know that they're hypermobile
1: well they'll <laughs> invert how far can you bend yourself back without pain Do your fingers bend and you can have hypermobility in different joints but i don't have that kind of excessive range of motion everywhere i do in my hips and i do in my shoulders not so much ankles or anything. So you've got certain joints that are designed to be more stable and other joints that are designed to be more mobile. And so there's probably some tests out there, but those are some quick guide, you know, can you cross your leg and have your knee be parallel to the floor and just swim farther? That's, you know, if you're, and if a doctor
0: has ever commented, like, you've got pretty good range of motion. Uh (laughs) That could be. But I do not really find once I sort of made the shift, like for me, it was a very global shift. First of all, I, like about a year and a half, I started doing resistance training, strength training. And then also in terms of my yoga practice, I started doing it very differently. I wouldn't go to like end range just for the hell of it. I really look for more stability, even in that sort of practice and engaging the right things so that, you know, the thing is it can feel good to go to end range because also we're so visual we're such visual creatures and it looks good right like (laughs) because you go further but it's it's not necessarily good for you Mm -hmm. in the long run now it actually lined up with hip pain Mm. that sorted itself out first of all when i started doing resistance training and second when i actually stopped just going flexibility flexibility yeah yeah because mobility is strength and flexibility together right It's not just creating useless space in the body without having the stability or the strength to you know balance it out that's perfectly (laughs) saying yeah
1: you know you don't think about that but it's like if you have too much range of motion end rate for you is farther than other people but if you're like i don't feel a stretch i'm gonna go until i do that that can push you into that farther around where you feel.
0: And it might be okay, like once in a while, right? But that's a consistent thing. You're doing several times a week. Every time you go to a yoga class, you just go to that like end point because it looks nice and it feels nice and you feel something. Then it, over time, I think it's going to cause some issues.
1: I have one client and I've heard this with several people, but there was a previous client I had. I would show her how to do something and I would repeatedly say, you're not supposed to look like me. This is too much. Okay. this is the exercise or this is the stretch or whatever. And she'd go, but your leg is all the way over there or whatever. And I'd say, matter, but I want to look like you. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you shouldn't go this far. And she said it every session, but I want. So you're talking about being visual. Yeah, we see that and we think that is where we should go. But if you have too much range, motion, that doesn't necessarily mean. So I have to preface that all the time. Like, I'm just going to do this blitz here. But like, no, this is not as far as you should go. But, you know, this is the motion. Just don't go this far. <laughs>
0: and then I guess it's really also about people getting in touch with their own bodies and not looking outward all the time or even at the teacher. And I've heard this from other people, like from another yoga teacher actually, like she said, don't look at me. Cause she also has a kind of, I don't want to say abnormal, but you know, not a usual body type. Right? Yeah. So she will say, don't look at me and just purposely really just feel rather than go for what it should look like. Do you think that musicians should have or should would benefit from having a specialist trainer rather than,
1: yeah. I mean, not that I'm biased at all. <laughs> right? No, I'm not biased in the least, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's one thing that, that my client has told me through the years, I'm like, well, why did you pick me over another trainer? Like, because you are a musician. You get it you know like this one client i have right now he said he's a drummer and boy it, drummers have a lot of issues and he has a lot of issues and he said you know what besides the fact that we've been friends forever and you know i know he was a person if i said i had a gig three hours away i played for two hours drove three hours back had to load unload my gear you get that if i said i was at a gig chimes are falling immediately if i said chimes are falling what do you go because you know what they're gonna they're gonna reach for it goes throughout my back totally get it anybody else is probably not going to quite understand that you know <laughs> your normal personal trainer is not going to understand you sitting in rehearsal what that means what that yeah. how that feels I get that and so it doesn't mean like anybody who does what I do has to be a musician but I get it I mean I'm in those rehearsals same as y'all I'm doing two or three hours My shoulders start to hurt. My back starts to hurt. But the good news is I know what to do about it. So I'll go backstage. I supposed to do something the other day. My favorite little like backstage routine. I always take my ball with me. I do this stretch. I do this motion. I I squeeze here. I can make it do the rest of the rehearsal. Maybe not completely pain-free if I'm out of shape, but with way less pain. And then when I get back, I go back. and I do more of those pulling motions, whatever. So I get that. And I also know I need to strengthen here so I can play and not be so dependent on all of this doing the work, but that my back will be strong enough to take some of the load off my shoulders and even have to do the work, you know? So there's this whole, there's this whole thing. Whereas a person, a, a <laughs> I say a trainer who isn't a specialist, there are a lot of good trainers out there. There are a lot of terrible trainers out there. Same with doctors, same with chiropractors, same with any profession, really. So the thing is, I'm the only person, I know one other person who's doing what I'm doing now. So there's only two of us in the world. So the chances are you're going to (laughs) have you know, until this really takes off, which it's starting to, but until there are a lot more of us specialists, what you're looking for in a trainer who is a specialist, who might not be a musician or a musician special and a specialist, what you're looking for is someone who can look at you. As a musician, take your job into account. What that means schedule-wise also, they're not just going to run you around and make you sweaty. They're going to have a good reason why they pick their exercise. There's nothing wrong with running you around and being sweaty, but if you're trying to build strength in certain areas, just getting you sweaty is not going to have that much benefit. It's not going to, well, it's going to, but it's not going to benefit your needs. So you also need to find somebody who can explain why they why am I doing this exercise? Why is it in this order? Why? Do- and then if I have questions, you can modify those for me. Or if it doesn't feel right, it's too easy, too hard. Someone is really going to take the time to pay attention to you and write you something and then give you something that's unique to you. And it's not something they give to everybody. It's not like a cookie cutter. I give this to all my like brands and then we modify it a little bit, which it's hard to do. Even after 12 years of training, I mean, I haven't given the same program to a client twice to any people like i i have like templates sort of like i go off of it yeah everybody is so different still i don't care if i had 700 food players in a room you're all gonna get something a little different you know so gotta find somebody who really takes that into account as opposed to and there are different certifications too so that's something to think about because some like nsca is one they're really into more sports specific, more over Olympic lifting, that kind of thing. NASM or what I deal with. And then there's some of the other ones, but just do your research because yeah, I really think having a specialist is important, but
0: I think from my own experience, right. So when I started, I went with the recommendation and I think they were really great, the trader, and I really enjoyed it. They were a yoga teacher. So for me, that was a plus because they actually knew that side of what yeah. I was doing. And they knew like what it looks like to play the flute, but not really all the demands of the job. And then over time I did find that, yeah, it was good fun, but you know, like after a while it was just not giving me what I needed. Right. To be completely honest. And it's also quite, quite a hard task to ask that person, you know, who worked with all sorts of people. So I think, yeah, like. It doesn't need to be, the person doesn't probably need to be a musician themselves. It helps, like when you actually have that lived experience, but at least like work with those people is a plus, right? You don't have to explain what it entails to actually do your job because it's kind of hard anyway to, it's kind of intransferable.
1: Yeah. Well, when I have a new client, an in-person client, I'll ask them, "Will you? well, can you, if you don't have a huge instrument, can you bring your instrument with you to the gym? Can I watch you play? you're playing harp or something, you know, send me a video, but oh, don't <laughs> you know, bring your dumb set in, you know But I mean? My gym is so awesome. They're like, oh, Angela's got another musician, you know, and it's, nobody thinks twice about it. My gym is it's personal trading only. So it's pretty cool. I'm pretty got their own niche, oh, but okay. yeah, I've actually got a video of me playing flute, hauling a sled behind me. I was playing Mendelsohn just to see if I can do it. Cause it was fun, but I, you know, if it's possible, I do ask them before I give them a movement assessment. I want to see them play. And I don't mean just play like a scale. I mean, get into it. Play me a little something. Let me watch. Because when we start getting into playing music, our posture changes because we stop being aware of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I need to see. What does your posture look like when you are in the moment when you are making that music? Right? What do you do? Do you tend to do something weird that you don't know that you do? That is going to show up in the movement assessment I do afterwards, possibly, but it also might not. So any chance I get to see somebody play, really helps. Like I have a new bass player that I'm about to start playing and he's got inflammation in these joints right here. <laughs> Mike, can I watch him play? You know, and he's doing this, that looks great. And then he goes down here and it's like, oh ow. Okay. I see it. <laughs> but if I hadn't watched him play, if he has two different basses. So seeing him play on the two different ones made a big difference. So if you get mm-hmm. a trainer that even if they don't know how to play your instrument, it doesn't matter. But if they're willing to watch you play and like take that into a carol, and they're like, yeah, bring your instrument and in. let's see.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to touch on injuries and musicians. I've been sort of talking of musicians as small muscle athletes. And then you kind of, <laughs> you kind of said uh, on Thursday, like why small muscle? <laughs> but let's say less athletes for sure. I think we need, really need to make that shift in terms of how we take care of ourselves. Right. But with that, with being an athlete, injuries happen. Could you talk a little bit about that? What's your experience? Like how often and what usually causes them when you work with musicians? So the, one of the
1: biggest reasons musicians get injured, besides the, the muscle imbalances, it also has mm-hmm. to be what we call repetitive strain injuries, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. basically we also used to call it overuse injuries. Basically, when you do something too much, when the body is not prepared to meet the certain demands, it's gonna find a way to compensate and it's gonna find a way to do what you need to do, but it can only do that for so long before it quits working. So when it comes to repetitive motion injuries or overuse injuries, so to speak, it's just where you've done something. And this is not inherent only to musicians. This is in any profession. Like I had a client once she had a tennis elbow because she used a mouse all day, every day, hours and hours and her only on this side. And you know, this like numb and her elbow could straight and it had to do with being on the computer. Okay. So it's, that's also an overuse injury. And so we're like, what trackball? you know, you get an overuse injury of the thumb because you're only using this on the mouse. You're only clicking with the one finger. I mean, it sounds silly, but we don't think of that. And then, so like when I was at Interlock and I went from a couple hours a day to eight hours of playing a day, it wasn't eight hours of practice, eight hours of playing, right? maybe not completely eight hours that entire time I was playing, but still I was in rehearsals. I was in lessons. I was practicing. I was That is an awful lot of demand to put on the body. So When we say we're athletes of the small muscles, that's kind of what we're thinking is here. We use our fingers to play this, (laughs) you know, horn or bassoon or whatever, you know, you're, but think about it. Your fingers are attached to your shoulders. Your shoulders are attached to your chest. Your chest is attached to your spine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You don't just use these in isolation. And you're not just a head with fingers. You use your entire body. And they are related. And so like I said before, the site of pain is not necessarily the source of pain. In my case here, it was. But like in my case here, it wasn't. You know, my case with my fingers being numb. These are not the issue. It's numb here. It stems from here. here. It's trapped here. It's trapped here. It's trapped here. That's, but this is where I feel it. So I see a lot of those type of injuries. And when it comes to how long it takes, it's very different for everybody. Some people are never injured, but <clears throat> there's not a ton of research out there. But the research that is out there states set up to 90%. And in my book, I quote one, it's like 47 to 93%. 93. It's like everybody. Uh, musicians are going to experience playing related pain or injury in their lifetime. Doesn't mean you're injured all the time. But it doesn't mean you're going to experience it. And if you ask a roomful musician who's here has had something happen, nine out of 10 hands are going to go up every, I see it constantly. When I get presentations, that's what I see it. Those statistics play out, they bear out. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about musicians taking care of yourselves, it's really important that your body is strong overall. <laughs> I promise this, if you're having issues here and you mobilize this, but you don't have stability in your shoulders. It's going to come back. Mm-hmm. It'll either come back there or it's going to manifest somewhere else. Maybe it'll be in your elbows. Maybe it'll be in your spine, in your upper back. Your body works. It doesn't work in isolation. It works as a whole. So I forgot what your original question was now, but it's no. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I we're see, on topic. We're on topic. <laughs> I see a lot of different types of injuries besides there, there are the repetitive motion injuries. So a lot, and this is one. People say, they throw this out a lot. Oh, I have carpal tunnel. Number one, we all have a carpal tunnel. This is the carpal tunnel. You mean, you, got, you just heard that term and you've got numbness and pain and stuff here. And it can feel like in the true carpal tunnel syndrome, most of the time it has to do with your forearm. I always get these mixed up. Flexors, extensors, your forearm extensors and or flexors. It's, it's
0: the other way around than you would expect, right? I know. I also. <laughs> extend, <laughs> flex, extend.
1: Yeah. So we'll just say the muscles of your forearm tend to be really yeah. ca- they turn into your finger tendons as they go through you, right? They are connected. You can see my finger, these muscles, when I'm moving my fingers, these muscles, boot, right? If these get overused, they become inflamed, they swell, they get tight. That's why it feels that way. by the way, just stretching tight muscles won't necessarily help. You have to massage them in certain ways and then follow it with stretching to help bring the inflammation down. It's another topic. But if these get tight, that can cause swelling in the tendons as they go through the carpal tunnel, they cause swell. it can cause swelling, which means that it's a really tiny area right here. And if they're swelling, they're going to squish each other. It's not actually carpal tunnel syndrome, but it can be. So if you can relax, this might go away. Carpal tunnel surgery is where they release, there's a band that goes like right around here. They just cut the band. So guess what? The symptoms might go away, but if you're still overusing this and you still have swelling, the problem is still there. You know, saying "Oh, I have purple total. Yeah, we all do, and no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just it's something we toss around a lot. But there's that I see. I've been seeing nerve entrapment issues a lot more with the numbness mm-hmm. in the fingers and the in the extremities. I see an awful lot of something called. It's not an overuse injury, but forward head posture. We get upper syndrome. The head comes forward. It's stability in the shoulders. Oh my gosh. And if you tend to sit with one hip hiked, certain way, that's going to affect your shoulders. It can affect your neck, which will affect your fingers. So pay attention to how you sit. It, I mean, it's just... So it's
0: all connected, right? It's it, Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's why, you know, when I give any musician a movement assessment, I look at your feet first. Are your feet straight? Mm-hmm. Do they turn up? Do they cave in? Do they bow out? Do your knees, whatever? Because it's all indicative of how your spine is working.
0: Don't think about that. So when you then mentioned that, like, high number, right? You mentioned that was 93%, but yet we don't really talk about injuries that much as musicians, because you said like, maybe in a workshop, people are going there they know what to expect, right? It's kind of a safe space to say that. Normally I've had people, like I haven't heard of many injuries. You don't hear it from the person, you hear it sort of from others. And then people are kind of guarded about it. Do you find it as well where you are?
1: Oh, definitely. And here in Nashville, it's called Music City. We have tons of recording, tons of live music. The calorie of musicians here is just incredible. And uh, the lifestyle is really different from classical musicians. We have the Nashville Symphony, and that's one thing. But the non-classical musicians, their lifestyle is so hard. I mean, they will go downtown and play a four, three, four-hour set, pick up, go across the street to the next one, play another one, maybe play a third one. That's four hours. And they're playing for tips, but that's a whole other situation. Or they're out on tour and they play these, you know, and then it's a whole other ball game and it's just, it's amazing. But the thing is, imagine if you're doing a double or a triple, so you're playing eight to 12 hours and that's just one day. You may, you might've made four or $500, but eight or 12 hours. Okay. That's a lot. And then you got to turn around and do it again the next day. Mm -hmm. And then you go home and practice. And then how much are you playing, right? You do build up endurance and you build up strength for that. But it's still, it's it's a recipe for overuse, right? You do have to rest. You do have to bring back balance. You do have to stretch and strengthen all that. But the deal is, we don't, there is this stigma that if we talk about, if we say we're injured, we are somehow less than. We are Mm in here. We are to blame. We have done something wrong or we're just not very good. It's the dumbest thing. So, when you think about professional sports, how often do you hear somebody got injured? Every game, somebody right. Yeah. Are they less? Yeah. Are were they? Are they of not very good player? Are they to brain? Should they get out of the sport and told just to quit? No. Why are we do the exact same thing? How many hours a day does a pro athlete put into practice? Put into play? Put into. Uh, how many hours a day do we? It's the exact same thing. Even though, yes, we do more of this and they do more of this, it's like the same. Yeah, it's still, yeah. So there is this stigma of we feel like we can't talk about it because, well, number one, the music industry is so cutthroat. We are told, and it goes back to music school, a lot of us, in music school, there are no jobs. You will be poor the rest of your life, so you better be at, <laughs> possible or you'll not get a job. So if you say you're injured, well, then you're definitely not getting a job because they'll just, Mm. it's not injured. I've seen it. I have seen it over and over again. And I've seen people lose their careers and literally have to quit and lose their entire career because they're injured because they won't talk about it because they feel like, well, if I admit it, well, Mm. you know, I'm somehow less than, and I've seen, I've heard of people not getting hired because they admitted they had a problem, like
0: tendonitis or or it horrible. Yeah, I think. The way you laid it out, it, I think it's pretty really helpful because, you know, if you consider those demands, it, it might happen, right? You know, injuries might happen. And I haven't really talked about this like here in the group, but I had a shoulder injury about four months ago and I had to stop playing for a few weeks. And we talked about worth as a musician, you know, the other day, like that shouldn't really be like, I'm a bad musician because I had an injury. No. But when you end up in that situation. Because I, uh, for me, it was quite recently. I did have to do some inner work for myself because the first initial reaction was like, okay, this shouldn't be happening, right? Because you have a professional career and you should just know better. That was my initial sort of being reactive. And then I just had to stop and say, no, you know, it can happen. And also, you know, I've gone many years without being injured. So that's something to be said, but, you know, <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of tricky. I do think we need to have a normal conversation about it, just like we, we see in sports, right? Because then it just becomes less of a taboo. And I think it prevents people from actually finding help,
1: right? And you know, the thing is, we're not taught how to avoid injury. We're just told you better not get injured. I'm sorry, how's that helpful? We are not. And then there as well. and on top of a lack mindset, it's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to like in the music schools, Let's stop preaching. You have to either get a teaching positionship, positionship, that's not a word. <laughs> teaching position. professorship, or an orchestra job, or somehow you are-, are a,
0: you're, a, you're not good.
1: You're, you're not right. a real musician. Yeah. You
0: that. Yeah. That's another thing, right? We... <laughs> uh, it
1: comes back to that lack mindset. We're teaching you that these it's are the mean, only two legit professions as a musician. We're solo artists, but that's only because those really good people. <laughs> Bull, stop it. Stop not stop with the whole thing. There's enough music to go around. In the pandemic, what was the one thing we all had? Well, one thing we missed was live music, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody did. What's the one thing that kept us sane at home? Having music. There's enough music to go around and there's tons that hasn't been made yet. We need every musician there is. There is not a lack of jobs. There is not a lack of careers. There is not a lack. There is so much opportunity out there. So we start thinking that. And then we start really, we got to take care of every single musician or else we're going to miss out on some music that they could be making. See, now we've moved mm-hmm. that entire mindset into like, oh, no, we need to, we got to take care of you. You're not less than, you are super important. We're doing you a disservice by not teaching you how to prevent that injury. It's inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. doesn't mean it's going to be injury, but it could be pain. It could be just like mm-hmm. that ache that doesn't go away or that now becomes constant and you think, oh, I just got to limit it. Well, you don't. No, you don't. No, see someone tells you to quit. You fire them. You fire them immediately. <laughs> fire them. I'm serious. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. So we just go back and shift that whole mindset. You are important. We need you. There's more than enough to go around. And if you step out of that space, we're missing something.
0: I think it causes so much pressure for the people who study music. And I know for me, it did, right? And I did get a job in the end. You know, I was lucky. Been. given the statistics, right? There's a certain amount of luck involved as well as hard work. But there was a lot of pressure like throughout studying because you had that close mindset of either or, but there's just so much, you know, you can do and so many different ways of defining success for yourself rather than looking at it as, okay, these are the two things I can do and either this or I'm unsuccessful and I'm not really a professional musician, right? So. Yeah, and then taking care of people all the way through when they start learning the instrument. Yes. Yeah.
1: We can't just, body mapping is important. We have to teach people the bodies, but we can't just say, okay, then rest and stretch. You've got to teach people how to stay in balance. What does strength look like? It's not a big, scary thing. I promise. It's Driving a car was scary until you learned, right? Everything is scary until you learn. It's as dangerous as anything else, you know? So we just got to take the ignorance and the stigma out of it. You know, and then you talk about having an either-or profession, that piece of paper says I can play flute good. And that one says I can play flute br- real good, <laughs> <laughs> literally, right? The performance degrees. They didn't tell me how to prepare myself for a career. So when I started Music Strong, I had some real identity crisis. Am I selling out because I'm not, I'm a professional musician, I play in a symphony, but it's part time. Am I a failure? Am I selling out because I'm doing this? I yeah. Oh, um, it, it was hard. And then I thought, you know what? If I didn't have to, post, I couldn't do this the way I do it. And I have responsibility to people now. Absolutely not. But it took a long time to get there because mm-hmm. I didn't get into one of those two boxes. I'm not in chamber music. I'm not touring. I'm not any of these things that are only seen as legit. Enough. We got to stop. We, there's all places that we need people to be in. And those pieces of paper can set you up for that. But it doesn't mean you're a failure. You don't
0: have like a recipe for happiness or, you know, it's really not. Even getting a job is not. Or getting a college degree. It's not. No. You know, it's not going to like your life. No. It's not going to bring you like a on happiness. <laughs> no. Take it, no. it It's nice, but you know.
1: <laughs> no. And so when I stopped teaching flute lessons last year, I was like, oh my gosh, am I selling out? I thought, no, I've got to go full time on my business. Otherwise, it's not going to be able to grow. Then it's, I'm not teaching flute. That's okay. I can still, now I have time to make music for me. Now I have time to practice for me. I don't have to do, everybody said, oh, you'll teach flute lessons the rest of your life. Salute. What if I don't want to anymore? That's okay. You don't have to teach less. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, let's just, yeah, let's just stop and let's start to teach each other about this. We don't have lack. We have so much opportunity, but now we have to take care of each other. We have to teach each other. This is okay. Let's start with that.
0: Yeah, it can just feel okay. It's just like the way it's lifted, right? Look around.
1: How many musicians are around you? If you ask them one-on-one, have you ever felt pain from playing? Have you ever had an injury? Oh, yeah. You didn't know. They just, we suffer in silence. And the less we suffer in silence, the more normalized it is. And then we go, I'm not alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a really good note to end on. Because this is the whole reason I set up this group, right? It's because... For a long time, I just thought, you know, I'm the only one who feels nervous. I'm the only one who has doubt. No, of course that's not true, but because nobody was talking about it. Before we log off, how can people work with you? So you said you do private sessions, private programs for people.
1: So I do one-on-one training with people. I also design programs for people to follow. I have downloadable instrument specific workouts on my website. Mm -hmm. If you'd rather just start there. It's, you know, it's a, it's an hour and a half long video. I talk you through all the basics. And then there's a workout that you can do on your own time, but you can also work with me one on one, whether that's in person or online. And I also have online training, and I've got a lot of options. Actually, they're all on my website. And I just want—I'm called a pilot program, and that actually speaks to what we were just talking about, which is where we stop. We stop with the lack mindset. We start with the positive mm. opportunity mindset. And I teach in this group setting. It's more of an educational thing of. This is who you go see if you have pain. This is how we increase your body awareness. This is how you write your own corrective exercise program and how you can teach your students how to do it so we start taking care of each other. So I've also got that if anybody's interested. And where can people find you? So so your website or... Sure, yeah. so my website is musicstrong.com and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, <laughs> all of the things on Instagram, on musicstrongfitness, on facebook i'm music strong or just my name and uh, yeah so it's just me everywhere and i've got a youtube channel and a podcast and all that and it's all under music strong fitness music strong fitness training
0: yeah, yeah. if you search that that like you said there are not many people doing this so you probably end up at the right
1: place. <laughs> you search music strong fitness you're gonna find me. And uh, we just had Veronica on our podcast. So if you'd like to see that, we'll be coming up on YouTube in the next few weeks. And it's called the Tuned and Strong Podcast. Brilliant.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. So we're logging off. And yeah, have a great summer, everyone. I hope you enjoy some rest. You know, even not just rest, some strength training. <laughs> no! <laughs> anyway, we're off. Thank you for watching. Before you go, Angela has created a series of instrument-specific workouts. You can get them for a discounted price when you use code VERONICA10. And by the way, I'm not getting any money when you buy. Head over to the link in the show notes to get the discount. I'd love to continue the conversation with you. You can find me at musiciansyogawithveronica.com or head over to the Wellbeing for Musicians community Facebook group. It's a private group full of musicians, just like you and I, designed to offer you further support and guidance on your journey to becoming a happier, healthier musician.